Hi, this is Regaline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is Annie Mihan. Annie is a speaker, author, and consultant. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thanks so much for having me, Gigi. Really excited to be here. Love the work that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate you. And it's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us more about you and where you are from? <laughs> well, for the next seven days and the last 40 years, I am from a suburb south of Minneapolis, Minnesota. But in a week, I will be loading up the car, my husband and I and our two dogs, and driving to the beach. I'm all about living on the beach and living out your dreams. And so we bought a place on Fort Myers Beach so that we, my myself, my husband, and my dogs can walk the beach every single day and just be grounded in the beauty of the ocean waves and the sunshine. And so that I can fill myself up so I can overflow to serve other people as I get to do with my work. I love it. Now, what inspired you to become a motivational speaker? Yeah, well, I started my speaking career in the faith community. So I spoke to middle school kids, then junior high kids, then senior high kids, then women's ministry, then women's retreats, then couples. And every time I spoke, people would say, you're really good. You have a beautiful, powerful story, but you're good at connecting, good at making people have laugh in the midst of the hard stuff and just showing God's glory and God's beauty in all of it. Um, and then for 12 years, I owned two gyms. So then I spoke in the health and wellness industry and helping people. I never really helped anybody lose weight, but I would help people like with mindset and self-talk and habits. And a side effect would be weight loss and just learning their stories and their struggles and kind of shining a light in their beauty so that they could start to see it in themselves and then want to take better care of themselves and get healthier. So that's kind of how I started. And through that process, I owned, I was at my second gym and I had a woman there like interviewing me for a commercial. And she was saying, Annie, you have got to, um, what, I get that you love the gym and you love supplements, you love helping people, but there's got to be more to your story. And I said, oh, I'm going to be a motivational speaker someday. And she's like, well, where do you speak? I'm like, nowhere. So she connected me to the National Speakers Association. And that's based out of Tempe, but each, many of the states, not all of them, have a local chapter. So I got involved with the Minnesota chapter. And then somebody just reminded me this morning that I met a woman, I started my own networking group. Um, I was working part-time as a lunch lady, part-time speaking, part-time trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up. And I'm, I started a networking group to kind of sell my supplements. And I met a woman there who said to me, Annie, I see you as a speaker. You're amazing. So she, over the course of a number of months, read my Facebook and my LinkedIn and like took my quotes and took my pictures and created a trifold flyer for me to send out to market myself as a speaker. She's like, you, I go, where'd you get all this? She's like, it's all you. This is what you write every day. You inspire and teach people. So she really helped push me. That woman who interviewed me for the commercial helped push me. And NSA Toastmasters kind of teaches you how to speak, but NSA teaches you the business of becoming a professional speaker. And so I got really involved in that and ultimately became the president of our chapter. But uh, recognizing in the beginning as a speaker, I really wanted people to like me. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I make friends. I hope people like me. And now the more in the last couple of years, I've just recognized it doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't matter if they like me or not. My goal is that they like themselves better. My goal is that I speak life and breath and hope into their story and their struggle. And when they get done listening to me, like, oh my gosh, if Annie can do it, I can do it. And oh my gosh, where I'm at is not where I'm going to end up. And so I really... It is a privilege to me to speak in the front of the room, and I really uh, consider it an honor, and I hope that at least one person, and sometimes many, 
are impacted in a way that's so positive that it just brings them up or it makes them know they're not alone in their struggle and their story. So yeah, that was a lot, but I just, I love speaking. So yeah. Amen. It's very important for people to know that they're not alone, no matter what challenges they go through. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And also too, Dr. Roslyn Willis has joined us. Welcome. Thank you for listening in. Yes. Hi, Dr. Roslyn. Now, Annie, you have written several books. Talk yes. to us about your books. <laughs> and that's very challenging too, Gigi, because I remember when I first started speaking in 2000. 14 was like part-time, 15 was probably 75%, but by 2016, it was really my full-time work or at least 80% of my income. And people are like, write a book, write a book. I'm like, oh, I hate writing books. So my first book, because I have dyslexia and I'm a terrible speller. So no matter what your barriers are, you can do it. Um, I remember my first book is called Past Detours and Possibilities. So it's like an inspirational journal, but mostly it's like questions and quotes and getting you to write your own story. It's got a couple short stories, but I'm like, you got a story. We all got a story. Write your own story. But then I was speaking at a conference and a woman said, write your story, and tell us, who are you and how did you become? And I had been working on a book for about 20 years called Dumpster to Dynasty. And Dynasty might not relate. Maybe it's more Dumpster to Dreamer. And it's about growing up in a physical, financial, and emotional dumpster and living this amazing dream life. But she said, don't write a memoir. Instead, teach us how to become like you. How do we get through our own dysfunction, diagnosis, um, divorce? death, disease, whatever it is. And so that book won a national award. And that book is about seven ways of being, not doing more, but being more. And it starts with be honest. And Gigi, when I say be honest to people, sometimes people are offended. They're like, what do you mean? I don't lie. But I think what happens, and I think you can relate to this. I think when we first met, we talked a little about it, is that if we keep telling that same story of I'm less than, or I don't have a purpose, or I'm not worthy, if we repeat it enough, it becomes our truth. And whether we're saying it to ourselves or about ourselves or whether someone negative in our life is doing that, it really weighed me down as a young person that where I came from, the dysfunction I grew up in, but also my inability to read, uh, growing up really poor, all those things. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not the truth. The be honest was saying, wait a minute, just because where I come from or I have a difference in my learning doesn't make me less than. So that be honest was really a powerful part of showing people, hey, wait a minute, because someone else says something negative about you or you think something negative or you have a more challenge doesn't mean you're less than. So that be honest is really about rewriting stories and about saying, I'm going to challenge every thought and every word to make sure that it honors who I am and celebrates who you are and, and back and forth. And so be honest is a platform of be the exception. It is to me. Some people say it's rewriting your narrative. I always say it's rewriting your story that no longer serves you, breaking the cycles that no longer serve you. And then I talked about, thank you. I talked about be open, which is about mentorship. I talked about be healthy, which is confusing. And most people think that's just physical, but I think it's our career, it's our relationships, it's our finances, but there's seven areas of health that affect us. Be flexible is about change. I moved 83 times by the time I was 18. And so I learned to love change that I learned to get lost and find my way and find extra ice cream shops. And I learned to look for the silver lining and the challenging changes of life. And some of the most pain I've gone through has taught me to be more compassionate, more empathetic, more kind to other people, um, to be gentle with myself. I, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I have definitely not been on a straight path. And I used to beat myself up for thinking, oh my gosh, you didn't finish high school. You didn't finish college. What's wrong with you? What? And instead, I learned to be gentle. You know, I had unplanned pregnancy. Are you less than other people? And I used to think I was. And I was like, what if I stop 
picking on myself. What if we all have a detour in our life and we're gentle with that thing that didn't work out the way that we thought it could? Um, and then be courageous is about setting those big audacious goals. But I always like to think like generous and courageous for me are not just about myself, but it's like if I set a big goal, who could I impact? Can I do, you know, a six day ride for AIDS, a three day walk for breast cancer, a two day ride for MS? I love setting goals that bless and benefit other people. And so who, how can I step above? And even taking care of ourselves is a goal for many people. And when we do that, if we're healthier, we take care of our family better. We show up at work better. Like everything is about abundance. Like how can you get to here, but then go overflow into other people? And the last one was be authentic. Those seven ways of being. And being authentic was huge for me. And then I recognized it was huge for a lot of people. We compare ourselves to other people. I think other people are smarter than me, more successful. And comparison steals joy. And when I learned to be like, I'm going to like me and I'm kind of messy and I'm kind of weird and I'm too big for some people and I'm not big enough for other people. And I'm smart enough for some and not smart. And, and I thought, you know what, what if I was authentically me and learned to like myself and then some will like me and some won't and that's okay. And when I quit trying to be like other people or be someone else, um, there was freedom in that, a lot of freedom. So that's Be the Exception. And then I wrote a Bible study after that that went with Be the Exception. I wrote a gratitude journal about generosity that goes with Be the Exception. And my most recent is the Pineapple Principle. And it's just really about honoring other people and honoring yourself, standing up. I took the poem and I turned it into a principle about seeing people stand up straight, wear a crown and be sweet on the inside. And what does that look like to live it out? So now I have five books and about four more in my head, but we'll see. Maybe over the next five years, I'll write some more books. So we'll see. I love it. Very powerful. Now you talk about courage and being courageous. And I, I think it's so important because Joshua 1, 9 states, haven't I commanded you to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And so when we, when we talk about courage, it's so important to, to recall that as well. Joshua 1, 9, it, it's so important, that verse. So thank you. Thank you for sharing courage with us as well. And also, too, now, in, in regards to your books, you talk about a Bible study. What inspired you to write that? Well, Gigi, I didn't want to write it. I'm always arguing with God. He always wins, but I'm always arguing. So I wrote Be the Exception. And because I still speak at churches, and that's kind of how my speaking career started, people ask me, Annie, why is this not a Christian book? We know you're a Christian. We know you love the Lord. Why is Be the Exception not a Christian book? And I said, because I know that all people deserve love, healing, and forgiveness, and that God desires all people to be in union with him. And so I want this book to reach as many lives as possible. And they said, yes, but we want you to speak at our church and we want you to have a Bible study to go with it. And I said, oh, I hate writing. They said, we already will buy a lot from you. And so I wrote Be the Exception and really I, in a perfect world, it would go with the Be the Exception book. So I took these seven steps and then I went back to God's word and I said, what does God's word say about being honest? And about truth and about the freedom and the truth of the one true voice. What does God say about that? And what does he say about being open to good influences and to having mentors and to having wise Christian counsel around you? Because we all deter, but how do we come back to the path that we're called to be? And how do we be a light in the world? And so I wrote that Bible study because I was speaking in churches and they asked me to be able to have it together. I'm blessed today, so blessed, Gigi, that um, people have taken that Bible study and created small group Bible studies and have written to me. Um, I've always been a woman that loves learning from other uh, other people, but in particular, strong female Christian leaders. Um, and Nicole um, Johnson, I don't know if you know who she is, but she used to travel with women of faith and she's a dramatist. And she takes some of the hardest stories of our lives 
and of our struggles. And she takes God's word and she does this dramatization of what does God feel when we, where is God and how does he show up when we're going through a divorce or a death or uh, being abandoned or abused. And she's just amazing, uh, powerful woman. And I spoke, you just talked about courage and I, I didn't speak. I, I went to a women's conference this weekend called Sparkle and there was 3,300 women there and they had two female um, presenters and one male and he got up and he read this, oh, he read this letter about, his name is Jeremy Foster, he read this letter about uh, coming from a young girl, about the wounds of a parent. And literally, Gigi, 3,300 people, you could just hear sobbing, just sobbing of the wounds of their moms and dads and how it's playing out in their relationships with their spouse or their kids or their friends. And I just think it takes courage and it takes um, trusting the Holy Spirit to make the changes and to do the work we need to do to heal so we don't pass that on to the next generation, right? That we break those cycles of things that have wounded us so we don't keep wounding. I don't know, it's just so powerful. And I was thinking, yes, we need the, the movement of the Holy Spirit in us. We need to trust God can do all things. But we also have to do some brave work to heal so that we can move forward and, and not just move forward for ourselves, but move forward so we can bless other people's lives. Exactly what you're doing, you know, is we have to first start with ourselves. Amen. Amen. Having God first in our lives is so important. Now talk to us more about the challenges that you had to overcome in your life. Yeah. So many challenges. Um, well, I was born the middle child of seven to a single mom who struggles with some mental health issues, undiagnosed and untreated. And because of that mental health and because of seven of us born in eight years, we grew up in extreme poverty. So the dumpster piece for me was my mother struggles with hoarding. She still does today. Unfortunately, she's 93. And um, so we grew up in a hoarder house like you see on TV. Um, I think I'm the only one here now. Gigi, come back. Um, and so, oh, there you go. Oh, you just made it for me. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did. On you. yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Um, anyway. We um, grew up in a hoarder house, and then we grew up in a lot of emotional darkness, a lot of pain, a lot of sadness, a lot of fighting. Uh, somebody was using the F word this morning saying, I need to be more impactful because I'm such a doer, not sayer. And I said, oh, I don't swear. Uh, I'm really careful about my mouth and my ears, what I speak and what I hear, because I grew up in violence. And I know that those words can lead to violence, not for everybody, but in, in my mind, that's not something I need in my life. I really protect that. Um, and so there was a lot of depression and sadness, but beyond that, we actually literally had to eat out of dumpsters at times because there was no money. And because my mom was so overwhelmed with, honestly, I have a relationship with my mom. You know, I was a single mom for a little bit with one child. It's overwhelming to be a parent, period. If you got two healthy parents, it's overwhelming. If you got one child, it's really challenging. If you got three, it's challenging. Seven kids for a woman who struggled financially and emotionally and mentally was just too much. And so often she would ask us to leave, um, maybe not that gently, but it was very challenging. It was a lot of isolation. It was a lot of loneliness. And so I write about some of that in my book. Um, I tell parts of my story, but I also invite you to think about your own story because we all have a struggle. And for me, by the time I was 17, I had dropped out of high school. I worked three jobs and I was supporting my 15-year-old brother. And, you know, that's not how most people get to live. You know, I, I never had a place that was home for me. Um, until I was 28 years old and I bought, I bought my first house at 25 and then I bought my home with my husband at 28 and that became a home and that's where we raised our kids. And I know so many people get to take for granted having a mom or dad say they're proud of them. I've never experienced that, you know, having a home. I didn't experience that till I bought one with my husband and 
Um, and I think there was a lot of challenges and a lot of things that other people just assume that everybody has a mom and dad or has a home. So um, the challenges made me more compassionate, maybe more generous, um, maybe more empathetic to other people's pain. I tend to be very drawn to people that are real. I don't really care about what brand clothing you wear, or I don't know your designer shoes or famous people, but I love your heart and I love your story. And I also know that everybody has a story behind their story and that many of us are raised to live in silent stigma and shame. And I like to open that up and say, what if where you come from and who you were told you were, because I was always told I was less than, um, isn't your whole story. Your story's not done yet. You know, God, God sees my amazingness in the midst of my messy. And um, I love thinking about playing to an audience of one. And I also love that song, um, I'm Famous in My Father's Eyes. Because as a speaker, sometimes you can feel a little famous and sometimes people think you are famous. They all, Annie, me, and you're, and I love that. That's very kind, but that is not why I, I do the work I do. Um, I do it because I don't want anyone to suffer in sadness or shame or stigma. I lost um, my brother and my nephew both to suicide. Um, and my father drank himself to death. And so that mental health generation after generation, I want to break that so that my kids can be free and so their kids can be free and know there is hope and that life is hard. Um, life is hard, but there's always hope. And so that's what I like to do. Amen. Amen. And you, you raise a lot of great points in, in regards to, you talk about violence. Was it domestic violence? Um, mm, yes. Yes, there was, yes. But also violence among, yes. There was just every form of violence. So, yeah. I want to touch base on that a little bit because I think that's such a great point that you bring up. You had a challenge with, with domestic violence. And oftentimes in our society, people believe that domestic violence just happens in a relationship with, with a partner or a significant other. And that's that's not the case. It also happens in family homes. So great point, Annie, that you mentioned. Thank you for sharing that with us. And also, too, you talk about swearing and how, how folks tell you all the time that you should swear. But I, I, for the listeners today, I want you all to know that you don't have to swear to be heard. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, so thank you again for mentioning that as well. And also, too, you talk about three topics that, that need to be discussed more in our society. You talk about suicide, you talk about alcoholism, and you talk about mental health, but you also shared several stories in regards to each one. So, and I, I think that it, it needs to be discussed more in our society, yeah. each and every one of those. I love that. Um, I, I People do always say to me, Annie, to make an impact, to be passionate, to be dramatic, you got to add swear, swear words. I'm like, no, you don't. I'm like, I remember my oldest son, he had a, a wild English teacher and he always taught him this tons of vocabulary. And he's like, unintelligent people use swear words because really intelligent people recognize there's a huge vocabulary you can use to make an impact and to be passionate or you can raise your voice, but not in a screaming, but just in a deep way, in a passionate way. And you can express yourself emotionally. And so I do, people make fun of me all the time. Like you're kind of prudish. Like I don't watch, I just don't watch violence. I don't like to hear violence. I don't repeat, you know, I just, I try to avoid the news. And I think there's freedom um, in knowing that you don't have to feed the negative or the violent or the, and also I know, so my father was rather violent and I have two clear memories of him, but my mother did leave him, but he was violent to us, but he was also violent to her, but she would also lose her temper. And a kind of my siblings all would tell you they have a temper 
And I just really um, shy away from that. Like my daughter will say, mom, could you just be a normal mom and yell at me and get it over with rather than a two hour pres motivational presentation to teach me to make better choices. And I'm like, nope, I'm just going to talk to you about this. And now they're adults, but they would make fun of me. But I thought, you know, I would rather talk about it and listen to you, but also express my concern, me being upset. And there's ways to do that without vulgar language and violence. And I think when you grow up in that sort of a family system, it's easy to repeat or think that's the way you do things. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of therapy and a lot of prayer in order to say, wait a minute, how I grew up hurt me and I don't want to do that. I want to change that so that I can have freedom so that my kids can have freedom. Amen. Amen. Very powerful. So yes, mental health is very important to me. I just spoke at a conference on mental health and I started it by saying, I wish I was not here and I wish you weren't here either. But the reality is that every person is affected by mental health and some people want to pretend it doesn't exist. We can't. We have to speak about it. We have to make it normal to talk about. We have to talk about it openly and often with men and with women and make it safe to say, I'm not okay. And instead of being mental toughness, we got to push through and suck it up buttercup. We got to say, let's have some mental compassion. And there are times, maybe even once a month, that we need a mental health day. And it doesn't mean we have a cough or a bellyache. It means we need to take a day and allow our brain and our mind and our emotions to rest. Right? That's right. We need to give ourselves enough grace on that. Yes, ma'am. I agree. And I did read an article somewhere that stated that a school actually let the students off for one day due to mental health. It was a mental health day. So I do believe that we, we should have more of those. So thank you for sharing that as well. Now, also, you are a volunteer, an active volunteer in your community. Talk to us a little bit more about what inspires you to volunteer in your community. That's a good question. Um, and actually, I'm kind of at the end of, I mean, I'm always helping people and doing different things, but as I'm getting ready to move to Florida, I'm really actually looking forward to what can I do next? And the realtor I bought from, I was asking him, what are you involved with? And he's like, I'm involved with Kiwanis, is that what it's called? And then there's the Eagles and the, I mean, there's so many organizations and mentoring teens for sure. But um, I, I run a mastermind and some of the guys were teasing me like, why are you always helping people? Why are you always like letting people live with you and just always mentoring a teenager? And I was like, I don't know. I just like doing it. And they were all like, oh, it's probably because of all the people that helped you. But the truth was, when I was growing up, it wasn't like that. Like, there wasn't as many resources. My mother was very private about how much we struggled. She still is. So she doesn't love that I do these calls. But, but I know that it's freedom for other people and it's not about her. Um, but I... Um, then one of the women in my mastermind said, she's a retired therapist and now she's a coach and the speaker. And she said, that's not why Annie does it. And I was like, why do I do it? And she said, you do it, Annie, because of all the times nobody helped you. Nobody was there for you. And you never want another child to feel as unseen, as unloved, as unsupported as you felt. And that, I think, is very true. And I don't know that it's conscientious even or more in my subconscious. But when I can help another person, when I can support another person, when I can invite them in, when I can volunteer or support any organization, but especially individuals and young girls, probably most particular it makes me feel like I'm nurturing that part to myself that never got um, the support I needed. And even when I read the intro to my book, Be the Exception, I was really emotional. I did the audio recording and it was really hard for me. And then listening to it back was really hard to me, for me. I was very upset and I called a friend. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I don't want to release this to the world. It's so hard. I said, I feel so bad 
for that little girl. Like nobody was there for her. She was so alone. And, uh, and he said, you were there for her. You know, you were there and she wasn't alone and you did whatever it took in order for her to become who she's meant to be and to recognize that God saw her as valuable, even if she didn't feel that value in her family. And I think that is part of my drive or my desire to be generous or to volunteer to serve others is I know, Gigi, whether anyone ever tells us or not, there's a lot of hurting people in the world, right? And some of them are taught to be silent in their shame or in their violence, um, in their abuse. And I want people to know they're seen and heard and valued. And if I can be one of those mentors, one of those whispers, one of those encouragers in their life um, and help somebody, that's that's what I want to do. So that's why. Amen. And you're doing an excellent job. You're welcome. Now, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Mm -hmm. Walking with purpose and living a life of happiness. You know, what has come to me a lot. Well, first of all, I always believe in self-care and self-care. You know, if you are a person of faith and honestly, even if you're not a person of faith, just sit in the silence and you might hear God's voice by accident. But if you are a person for, of faith, starting your day with that, God, what are your plans for my day? Um, I think sometimes it's easy to jump out of bed and say, here's my plans, right? But um, what are your plans for my day? And then the next thing, I, there's three little tips that kind of came to me lately. And I've been like, okay, this is what I want to teach the world. Every single day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, look for beauty. And, and beauty might be looking in the mirror and you're like, you know what? I'm beautiful. You know what? God created me in his beautiful image and I'm beautiful. So it might be seeing yourself. I've never thought of that before, but I think that could be one. I bet I think it could be a butterfly. I think it could be uh, a client, a conversation. Look for beauty. So first thing is look for beauty. The second thing is be aware of the struggle. And what I mean by that is sometimes I am struggling with my own story or with someone I love that's suffering, but there's also people around me struggling. So if I'm just aware rather than in judgment of how people show up, so look for the beauty, be aware of the struggle. People are struggling. And then the third, and maybe this is the most important one to me of how I live in happiness is seek ways to serve. Like, how can I serve? Hey, I could be on a podcast with Gigi and we could go inspire people. Hey, I could send a card to someone. Oh my gosh, I could listen to someone, even though I'm in a hurry. Like yesterday, I was kind of in a hurry and I stopped what I was doing because I was driving through a neighborhood where this um, young adult woman lives in a, a special home and her mom and I are good friends. And I knew that girl wanted to see me before I left. And I had like 27 things I could have done, Gigi. And I stopped what I was doing. And I went and picked her up and I took her out for coffee and we chatted. And then she said, I got a shower. I got to get to work. And I said, I'm going to wait and just bring you to work. And my husband's like, you know, I got to, and I go, I know, but like I could serve in just this little way. Like it doesn't matter. I didn't do it to be on talk about, but just, you just reminded me, like, I just asked myself, how can I serve today? And sometimes it's just a moment, just giving someone a smile. And sometimes it's stopping my own agenda when I'm doing and picking someone up randomly that I could take to coffee, you know, and um, yeah, I, I think look for beauty, be aware of the struggle and ask, how can I serve and where can I serve? So, yeah. Amen. Seek ways to serve. Very inspiring. Annie, thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Now, where can the audience find you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, everything's Annie Meehan. So if you look up Annie Meehan, um, it's Annie at Annie Meehan is my email. Annie Meehan is my website. Yeah. There, look at you here. So fast. Annie Meehan is my website. I'm on LinkedIn every day. I'm on Facebook and I love to encourage and I love to show people in the darkness and challenges of life. There is a silver lining if we'll look for it. 
and that we can actually be part of the solution in someone else's life because we're blessed to be a blessing each and every day. Amen. Amen. Annie, can you end us off with a prayer, please? Oh, I'd love to. Mm. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just know, we know people are hurting right now, Lord, and we know there is stigma and shame and silence around mental health and addiction and suicide, Lord. And we're just asking for the Holy Spirit to move um, through this message um, that people that feel isolated and alone will reach out for help, um, that will feel the courage within themselves to speak up and say, I need help. Um, I hope that this podcast is a reminder to people, Lord, that no one walks alone, that everyone has a struggle and a story and a situation that is left to be told, and that if you are in a dark place, it is not where you are meant to be. And there is hope and there is support in your community, in your churches. Um, please reach out, reach out to me, reach out to Gigi, um, and, and we're here to help. We're here to be that light and that encourager and that um, servant of support in this struggling world. But there is good. Don't get stuck on the struggle. There is good. I have overcome much adversity to become this woman that's able to live joyfully and generously. And you can too. So hang in there. We love you. God, just bless us. Help us use my words and Gigi's words for blessing and for salve into those people that are hurting, Lord, um, that you bring healing and hope and that you show them that um, you believe in them and you have good plans for them and that it will take work on their part to be open to do the work they need to do. But Lord, that they will never walk alone. That You will always be with them. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And we just ask that you bless Gigi for the good work that she is doing in this world in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Annie. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Annie at AnnieMehan.com. That's A-N-N-I-E-M-E-E-H-A-N. And Annie, you have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Take care. You're welcome. Okay.